0: Praise the Lord. So look, Paul, we're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 3 and 14 now. Paul says, he says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. For what reason? He just went back. If we went a few sermons ago, you'll get into some things, and, and I get excited about this, but there's a reason why Paul has committed himself to all that he's been through as a, an apostle. Paul has suffered a whole lot of things. He's been thrown in prison. Matter of fact, he's writing this epistle from prison right now. He's been thrown in prison. He's been beaten. He's been stoned to the point to where he was left as dead on the side of the road. And then the believers gathered around him and, and prayed for him. And he got up off the ground and, and kept on going. Um, what was that? That was a miracle. That was miraculous. He'd been left for dead. And the people who trying to kill him weren't trying to do a light job they were trying to carry it all the way through but God preserved him God God protected him and he had been through all these type of things and then he responds right here he said for this reason for this reason he's endured all these things for this reason he became passionate when he when he met Jesus and he devoted his life to serving the Lord for what reason and we went back and I'm not gonna take a time a lot of time to go back to that but he has become to understand the mystery that that Jesus was going to come, that Jesus came to the world to set things back in order the way that God intended for things to be in order. And folks, part of our calling we found there in in verse 10 and 11 was that that God's intent is through the body of Christ, through the Lord's body, to make known to the world but even to entities in the spiritual realm about the order of God, about the kingdom of God. There are things that are commonly accepted in our society now. There's things that are commonly accepted around the world today. They should not be. And part of that's just because the world's just living like the world. They are, they are uh, willfully doing the things that they want to do. They're moving through life without the guidance and direction. The cotter pin's not in place. They don't have the truth. They don't have the knowledge and the insight and the wisdom and the experience and the relationship with God. They don't have those things, and how will they ever know? Unless somebody tells them. That's what we're here for. We're the message board. We are, I just about said telephone line, but we don't have those anymore. We're that cell tower. We are that communication device. We are that mouthpiece, that Bullhorn, that that megaphone that God's put in the earth to be able to get the message out. Amen. So, some of us need fresh batteries. <laughs> we need to get realize what we're here for, and get that we're not just here to get our needs met. We're not just here to make sure that we're okay and that we are living a struggle-free life. We got to go ahead, sister. You're doing good. We need to reach the people, okay? And folks. Through the church, God is going to challenge ancient strongholds and bring them down. Yes. Amen. Um, do you, is, is, is prejudice okay with the Lord? Can I just go there? Is prejudice okay with the Lord? Is that something that is near and dear to his heart? Is that something that he wants to be perpetuated in the church? It, it boggled my mind for years that my parents went to Africa as missionaries. And we would go over there and take the gospel to the people in Africa, but we'd come back to the States and be sponsored by churches that you could work in and you didn't see one person of a different color in that church. Why is Sunday morning one of the most divided days of the week? We go to school together, we work together, and everything like that. But Sunday morning, there's this divide in many churches. And it's, look, it, it, it's not just white and black. And but Right now in our society, we could go out on a Saturday morning and go to Walmart, and there would be prejudice in hearts towards people that are moving around over there that may not be white or black, but... Mexicans or people of lower socioeconomic development or, uh, or people who are of a lower socioeconomic status may look at people that have a lot of money and there's prejudice towards them because they say, look what they think, they're better than me because they've got. And folks, if we could really look with a, a broad vision across the earth, you'll find that prejudice is really a trick of the enemy. It doesn't matter what culture you're in. The enemy finds a way to divide and separate and cut people in, over in India with over a billion people in that, that nation. Okay, how many people are there in the world? I think I've heard, between, I've heard three and I've heard seven. It's, it's, it's around seven, isn't it? Eight billion? Eight billion? Yeah, I think I've heard eight. I believe I've heard eight. I think we've got there yet. Adam? 7.6. Thank you, Google. <laughs> <coughs> we've got devices now. We can get information, right? So 7.6 billion in India, there's over. Go ahead. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Folks, you know, even even in India with over 8 billion people, and just think about it, the comparison to 7.6 billion people in, in India, there's There's over one billion, but that nation where people are basically all of the same skin color, they are so divided and and broken up because they got caste systems in place and religious struggles and things like that. The enemy knows how to separate people and keep people apart and and break things down like that. But God wants... I was talking about ancient strongholds, I mentioned, uh, mentioned prejudice at one, but there's a lot of things that are just so familiar to people that never even realize how ensnared and entrapped and caught we are. But God wants to break down the ancient strongholds and bring those things down so they're not acceptable. And my, my, in, my intention today is not to go back into that and spend more time with that. We spoke about that the other week. But Paul caught up understanding that the only real answer to man's problem is Jesus. That's at the core. There's all kinds of problems that people have and they manifest in all different kinds of ways. But I can tell you in in, in dealing with people in the life coaching environment that people can get all kinds of fixes for things they can get all kinds of medication to try to medicate problems they can get surgeries to try to enhance things that they think need to be enhanced and change things that need to be changed they can do all of that but unless you fix what's going on on the inside people will never be satisfied it's the truth so paul understanding this endowment that's been given to us and this mission that's been placed in our hands he says for this reason He's passionate. And he says, I kneel before the Father from who the whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. He says, I kneel before the Father. What's the relevance of that? What's the meaning of that? I kneel before him. When you go back and look at the word that's used for kneeling there, it talks about humbling oneself or or worshiping. It's it's an aspect of respect. And I think it's real vital to just take a moment and, and, and talk about the fact there's a, a scripture over in Romans 14 and 11. Can we turn there real quick? Ah, that's one. Romans 14 and 11. It says, it is written. I'm going to hit this real quick, and then we're going to jump to Colossians chapter 2. Is it Colossians chapter 2 or Philippians? Philippians, thank you. Here in Romans chapter 14, it says, It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, that every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. Confess to God, it says there. Look at at Philippians chapter 2. If we flip over to Philippians. Philippians is the book right after Ephesians. But speaking of Jesus, this passage right here in Philippians chapter 2 talks about how Jesus, even though he was at the, at the throne of God, even though he, he was i mean, He was God, that he did not consider what was there to be something to be held on to, but he allowed himself to be humbled and come into the earth to live like us. He loved us that much that he came and lived among us. He lived with us. He allowed himself to be humbled like that. And it said in verse 9... Therefore, because of of Jesus humbling himself, even being obedient unto the death, in verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Paul's talking about, I just turned over and, and lost my place. Um, Ephesians chapter 3 But Paul says that he bows his knee to the father He humbles himself He recognizes and he worships the father So scripture says that there will be a time When every knee will bow And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord Paul's saying that he goes ahead And and makes that commitment to the Lord He's, He's submitted himself to the Lord He's given himself to the Lordship Of God in his life how do we see that lived out we see it by the way he lived his life he completely gave up his former line of existence his former way of living and submitted himself to the father he went ahead and and paid homage and paid respect and gave himself to the purpose of the Lord I love what it says right here he said he, he kneels to the father he bows down to the father from whom the whole family in heaven on earth from, hold on, let me, let me go back. From whom his whole family in heaven on earth derives his name. I don't know how you see yourself. I mean, just real quick, just tell me what your last name is. Stop. Stop. You said you're short. I'm short. You're short. There's, there's a whole lot of and we're identified by that name. I'm, I've been a list my whole life how did you get your name you got married he gave you his name you were able to take his name the scripture says here that, that the whole family in heaven and earth is named by the father we have his name when I got, went back in and looked at that it is, that name is an endowment to us it, is a, it's, it was given to us literally the, the, it would be it is of God god it is genitive it will be something that's being given to us do you realize that though you may have the name that you're known by the name that's on your identification on your driver's license the name that shows up on your paycheck that you have that name but do you realize that when the spiritual realm that you bear the name of god you've been named of him that's your identity in the spirit realm doesn't matter where you go. Doesn't matter what other somebody else thinks about you. Doesn't matter how you are dressed any other way. than in the spirit realm you're recognized. You've been named of God. The whole family in heaven and on earth, we're named of the Lord. We bear His name. Doesn't matter where where you are and what you're having to do. It doesn't matter if what you're doing is a very humbling type of thing. This old story that we used to have—we used to have one of those little disc things that had a little slide that goes in the back. Remember the record player thing? Boy, I just stepped back a few days. What do they call it? Uh, sing uh something? Huh? Well, single record. But there was this little thing that had a little TV screen on it and it had a record player that sat on top of it, and you had a little, little. Well, yes. I can't tell you what it's called, but I'm going to have to look it up because Google will get me there. Um, But there was this old story that we used to have, the prince and the pauper, that we used to could play on that thing. Yeah, but it's it's something different. There's a name for it. Um, We were in Africa, so it may have been something different. But anyhow, the prince and the pauper, you know what was interesting? Even the, the child that was being raised as a pauper was the prince. In that story, the circumstances, he had just been put out of place. It doesn't matter what it is that you're doing in life. If you're a child of God, you're carrying His name. You may be in a very humble situation and circumstance. You may not be treated the way you should be treated. But if you're His, you bear His name. It's vitally important that if we bear His name that we also represent Him well. Folks, don't, don't think that you're living in a bubble and don't think that, that your actions and your activities in your world aren't having an influence on people around you. They're having an influence. They can have an influence for good and they can also have an influence for bad. If we're, if, if we're expressing our... Boy, I'm, I'm really sanitizing this. Uh, if we're blowing our top all the time and cussing up a storm and we're reacting to people and not treating people the way they should be treated, if we're blowing steam and just, I'm just going to take it out on everybody around me, folks, you're carrying the name of God. People, you know, Cecile talked about going to the, getting her hair trimmed the other day and our family goes to that same place and gets our hair done and, you know, I'm, I'm not in a three-piece suit on Sunday morning. I'm not in a three-piece suit when I go there, but they know I'm a pastor. So the way I behave when I'm in there, you know, Cecile was. they were asking Cecile about some things about being in the ministry, and it and just makes you realize, you know, you need to, you don't realize who's watching you. We need to represent him well. Matter of fact, in my understanding, when it says don't take the Lord's name in vain, it's not just talking about speaking his name wrong. And I know that I've shared this with you, but I'm going to say it because it bears saying it again. God had just given the, the Ten Commandments. He had just given the law to the children of Israel. He had met with them on Sinai, and he gave them how he wanted them to live. And then he says, don't take my name in vain. I am calling you to be a people that have been selected and taken out of all the other nations. It's not because you've earned it. You're you're really an insignificant people, the Scripture says, but I am choosing to put my name on you. I'm choosing you to be the conduit through whom I am making myself known to the earth. Bear my name well. Don't take my name in vain. Don't get out there and live in such a way and then misrepresent me. It's important that as believers that we understand the the awesome responsibility we have to be the people of God. When people come in contact with us, folks, we've done such a poor job at this as the body of Christ. When I speak a lot of times, folks, I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about the body of Christ. I feel a weighty responsibility for the uh, deportment, the behavior of the body of Christ, okay? But we are, for the most part, I'm generalizing. We're really good at condemning people. We're better a lot of times at condemning people, and making them feel bad about who they are than we are about introducing them to the love of God. Now, the love of God doesn't come without responsibility. God didn't just give his love to us to leave us in the condition that he found us, but he wants us to receive with the love of God all that helps us transform our lives and change and to live a better, freer, uh, more fulfilled life. And that just means that there's some things that are bringing consequences on our life, need to change. Little Eliza comes over to the house, getting ready to be three years old in a little bit, and, you know, she loves to get that stool out and scoot it up to the sink and get involved in the sink and the water in there yesterday I was working at the house before they got to the house and I realized I need to make sure I don't have any sharp knives in the sink before she gets here why because I know that those knives will bring her harm that she's probably going to scoot up there I didn't know if she was going to scoot up but I figured she'd probably scoot up there and she'd probably start working with the water at the sink if we can get her doing dishes in a few years it'd be great but I didn't want there to be something there that would harm her. And God, when he gets involved in our lives and he begins bringing about the change that will give us real life instead of this fictitious, flawed kind of uh, corrosive life that people are living, when God gets involved in our lives, he also intends to bring about change. He doesn't want to leave us in the condition that he found us, right? Right? So our whole point in all that was to say the fact that we bear his name. The whole family in heaven on earth derives its name from him. And then he says this, and I pray that, this is verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And just to focus on this, Paul's praying for them. And what is he wanting? He's wanting them to be strengthened with power. The word there is the word dunamis, where we get dynamite. The same word that's used in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that says, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. It's not speaking of this verse. It's not speaking of authority. It's not speaking of position of authority or things like that. It's speaking of Effective power, that you will have the ability to do something, that you will be enabled to be able to do something. He's praying that we will have the power in our inner in through his spirit in our inner being. So, what's he talking about? Look, folks, this is kind of a unique thing because when he talks about the inner being here, he's not talking about necessarily the tritarp, the tritarp, the tri, tri-tar- the, the, tri-tar- the, the tripart being. Oh. The tripart being that we normally talk about, but this this what I, when I was studying it, it said this is more uh, a different. It's more looking at a a, a two part being, an inner being and an outer being. Basically, there's an inner life going on inside of us. He's wanting that inner life to govern what we do with our outer life. Our physical bodies are going to really live out what's going on on the inside, but he just wants what's going on on the inside to be strong enough, to be powerful enough to it it changes and dictates the way we live out there. Do y'all ever react to people in traffic? Is it just me? When I get my driver's license, I go down to the DMV, and they've got this little thing on the screen that you have to go through, and, and there's signs there's questions that they ask you. There's even vision test stuff. Is that what happens where y'all go to? Because there's some people out there that they don't go to the same place when they get their driver's license, apparently. Um, I see people, the that, that no-turn signals. I know that nobody else here, nobody here does that. No-turn signals. You see people going down the road, and their lane, their lane moves differently than where the stripes are. You know, you really got to keep your eyes open out there today. Because And I... I feel like I've got the special communication device somehow that if I will just speak it, it will reach right into their car and they'll get it. Do y'all get? Y'all have that? I talk. I'm getting a strong yes over here. I talk to those people. Don't don't do it. Stay right there. Don't don't come out. I'm constantly talking to people out in traffic. Okay, that's a, that may be a mild thing. I don't cuss at them. Look, I've been blessed. I didn't grow up in a cussing household, and so that. Verbiage just is not, not a normal thing to me, but I can get upset. And uh, it may be an internal something, But, um, but folks, what Paul is saying here is he desires that whatever is going on the inside be more potent and more powerful than what we're expressing on the outside so that the inside becomes transformative and it changes the way we react on the outside. Look, it's easy to say this, and I can say this without any hesitation. Every one of us probably could use a little bit of adjustment on the outside. Yes. The problem that's happened in the church is that religion has caused people to try to change the outside without ever changing the inside. So there hasn't been, the in- internal change happens because of relationship. It doesn't come because of how much you know. You can tell somebody all day long that they shouldn't do this and they shouldn't do that. And they're going to end up putting their hand in the cookie jar because human nature drives us to do the very things that we shouldn't be doing. But what Paul encourages us to do is to, to um, nurture and develop the relationship on the inside so that it's transformative and changes the way we work on the outside. Because you can change the outside behavior all you want, and if you haven't changed the inside, it's just a facade. It's a face. We need to be true on the inside so that we can be true on the outside. Amen? But, but his confidence is this that that power of God working inside of us will be able to accomplish that work. He devoted himself to that. He prayed for that. Let's go on, because it gets really good, and I'm I'm going long. Not long yet, but I just don't want to get that long. Okay, uh, 17 says, so I I need to back up. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he will strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. There's so much in this. I'm just going to have to skip some rocks here so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith christ may dwell in your hearts what's he talking about there that christ may dwell in your hearts it literally talks about the dwelling here is the indwelling like when the presence of god would come and fill the temple and that Presence would just, you know, people could tell when the presence of the Lord was there. Back in the Old Testament, when the tabernacle was out there in the wilderness, there would be a tangible understanding that the presence of God with the cloud would descend or the pillar of fire would be there. There would be a representation and they would know that he's there. Well, here it talks about Christ coming and dwelling inside of us. We know that Scripture says that he does that by the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of Christ comes and dwells inside of us. He takes residence inside of us. Paul's concern about more than just that, though, and we've already touched on it, but what he's concerned about, that that indwelling presence becomes an outward expression of Christ. You know, when we use the term Christ, there is a capital C Christ that's, that is really the word Christ speaks of the anointed right and when you read scripture you will see that that when it speaks of the Christ Jesus it use a capital C and it'll put the word Christ but really there's a uh, the, the word the anointed where it speaks of the Saints is using the word for the anointed so really when we talk about we can talk about the Christ Jesus and we can also talk about his anointed but we become the living expression of his anointing in the earth. When I talk about this, I want to make a clear distinction because I don't want us to miss that he is the Christ, but I also want you to know that we are the anointed here in the earth to carry out his works, to do his work. The same anointing that was on Jesus, he is the Christ, but we are his anointed in the earth. We've been called to do the works of the Lord here. We've been equipped to do the works of the Lord here. There's been an anointing lift, lift, uh, left with us. And he said, that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that the anointed one and his anointing may dwell in us. Look, Adam, I, I'm presuming, okay, but I, my, my presumption is since you were having the uh, asking out on a first date kind of experience, you probably weren't feeling really super spiritual that day. What happened? An opportunity presented itself that needed to be answered. And in your flesh, you probably had to work through it a little bit and, you know, am I going to do it? I'm not going to do it. How's he going to respond? Is he not going to respond? Is he going to be willing or not? But you had to step through the objections that are coming from the mind and step in and just be the conduit for the Lord. Let the anointed and his anointing flow through you. And what happened was a guy's life was touched. He had an experience could I just go back and say he had an encounter that transforms lives? Why? Because you were willing to be obedient. And I love that. Adam didn't tell us that he wanted to call him pastor after that. He called him pastor through the rest of the meeting. 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you will be rooted and established in love. Being rooted and established in love. Here, here is the benchmark for it all. How do we know that Christ is really being manifest? Look, there's folks out there that... I've been around ministries and ministers, and I saw, I've seen people do amazing and powerful and wonderful things and even sometimes preach powerfully. And I know that God works through earthen vessels, and, and sometimes there's anointing even in their life. And then I've seen some things happen that weren't very lovely. Folks, when it comes down to the very foundation of things... If there's not love at the root and the foundation, then there's still a whole lot of work that needs to be done. That's got to be our core. You know, we we are are people who have been immersed in faith teaching. And there's a scripture that stands out to me. It says, look, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You can have all the faith, but if you don't have love, if it's not expressed in love, then there's something missing. We want people to be filled with hope. But if my hope causes me to forget about people that have a need, if it's not being manifest in love, then there's something missing. I love what this says about being rooted and grounded. There's... A deepening and a widening of experience as we grow in the Lord that helps bring stability. Michael Cobb, in a men's meeting not too long ago, talked to us about the redwood tree, and he shared just briefly about this. But you know, the redwood trees can go g- grow on average about three hundred feet tall. Three hundred feet tall. Some of them up to uh, three hundred and eighty feet tall. That's huge. I mean, you've seen pictures of them where they can drive cars through them and things like that. I've never seen the redwood trees. But it also says, he was also teaching us that their root system is not very deep, that they're only, how deep? Three to six feet deep. They don't really go extremely deep. But the difference, the reason why they're able to withstand, withstand the storms and be able to live and grow that tall is because their roots don't just do like this, but they go this way. And they get intertwined. <laughs> they get intertangled inter- with one I just love that. <laughs> they get intertwined with one another. That ought to be a word. I love it. They get intertangled with one another and their relationships going this way help support one another. When somebody's getting buffered or they get hit by the wind, hold on to me. I'll help you out. I'll, I'll strengthen you. I see you're going through something. You can, you can depend on me. Because the love of God causes me to care. The love of God causes me to reach out. The love of God wants to be there when you're going through a difficult place. Sometimes the love of God makes me extend myself beyond my offense. You may do something intentionally or unintentionally, it may hurt my feelings. But I'm not going to let that separate the fellowship and the love because we're, we're intertwined. I just want you to remember that word, That that's, That needs to be fellowship. That's community. That's interrelational. It's not in the dictionary, I don't think. Google it. Not now. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ, okay? You know I can't go past this without preaching about this, okay? Because this is one of my favorites right here. How wide? Let me get, let me make sure I got the words in the right place. Grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. <laughs> I was lying on the prayer room floor many, many years ago, And tried to figure out why in the world he gave it like this. Why did you describe it like that? Because in my collegiate mind at the time, I understood that when you talk about the volume of something, you usually do it in three dimensions. Right? But God gave four dimensions here. Why did he give four dimensions? Because if I'm going to talk about how much space something's taking up, I want three dimensions you can get a cube you can figure it out and so i like well, god why why did you give four dimensions and look he may have given this to me just because i was simplistic minded or something like that but this is what he what he said to me just take it okay he said that's because my love is never really known or or understood from the outside you can't say how big god's love is or really tell someone what god's love is like when you're standing outside and say, Well, that, look at, see, that's what God's love is like. The only way you can really understand the love of God is when you're on the inside. And when you're on the inside and you start reaching and you start experiencing, you can reach high. You can't find the end of it. You can reach down low. You can't find the end of it. There's not a floor to it. You can reach out this way. So it's only, you only really know what God's love like when you're on the inside of it, when you're experiencing it, when, you're, when you've blown it and you find out he still loves you. But when you've done good and he comes along and he encourages you, says, look, you did a great job. You can, we can refine this a little bit, but you did a great job. You know, and it just gets better and bigger. And the more you love and the more you live, you find out that just, just like a parent, when your kids mess up, you can get upset about it, but you still love them, right? right? And the right kind of expression of parenting, you still love. They can blow it all to pieces, and you still love them. So the love of God can't really be described from someone on the outside that doesn't really know and doesn't really live and doesn't really experience. But when you're on the inside, you can tell somebody, Oh, how he loves me. Yeah. And that old song, Jesus loves me, this I know, it's not just because the Bible, but we are living it. Amen? And that you may know this love, that surpassing knowledge, Mm -hmm. that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Boy, that passage is just so pregnant Mm -hmm. with meaning. I don't understand it. I don't understand how he can do it, but when the Scripture says that the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and that God's intention is to work through us to reconcile lost humanity to him. Folks, there's so much more power through the Holy Spirit and work in our lives than we would never be able to reach the end of it. We could never... Um, get to a place to where we could say it ran out there's not enough but the more we walk it out we find out that there is a fullness there's a fullness of God that God wants to bring it's not about us excelling up to be like him but God is working through us to accomplish his purposes so there were years ago years ago I was struggling with something God was was uh challenging me to go somewhere for him and I didn't have the funds or the resources to be able to go there and I, I became burdened with it, and I'm like, Lord, how am I going to do that? How am I and the Lord spoke to me and said, look, when you love me and you've been called to do something for me, he said, you have the unlimited resources of heaven at your disposal. You understand that? When God's called us to do something, and we're being obedient to him in that, we're saying, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll go, I'll do it, I'll do it. If God's behind it, why would he restrict his resources? There was a time when Cecile and I were invited to go somewhere. We got excited about going there, and I'm going to tell you, at that time, we were excited about going, but the resources just didn't come. And we ended up having an experience in our life where we find out if we had been gone, it would have been very serious for our family. We would have not been there for one of our children when they went through something very dire. And i had been questioning, God, why are the resources not here? The timing wasn't right. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have an intention for us. Right. Amen, hallelujah. But um, the timing was not right at that time. But when God calls you and God's timing is right, folks, the unlimited resources of heaven are there. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. I've got two more scriptures I'm going to read. I, I pray that these scriptures somehow can, can fill our hearts and our minds. I pray that these hearts can expand those walls that have restricted. I pray that it will take the lid off of our understanding of what God can accomplish through us. I don't know what kind of vision or sense of purpose or direction God's put in your heart. I don't know in your most most grandiose dream what's in your heart that you would like to see God accomplish through you. And I trust that if you've got old dreams that haven't surfaced in a long time, I pray that God would awaken those dreams in you. If you got something that when you were real young God put in your heart and and you thought one day I would just love to be able to do this or one day I would love to see this happen and and you've been caught up in just the busyness of life and just trying to pay the bills and just trying to take care of family members or or trying to, and and when I'm saying just, I'm not diminishing any of those things. It's just a part of life. But what I do want to awaken is the purpose of God. so that we can see beyond the obstacles of our finiteness and start seeing the possibility of his infinite infinity there we go of his infinity he says in verse 20 now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine how big's your imagination How big is your imagination? I'm not talking about just a whimsical. But is there something going on the inside? Lord, stir it up. Stir up the purpose and plan of God in us. More than we are able, than, than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. I am of this mindset that God did not make a mistake with any one of us. God was not flippant when he created any one of us. That it wasn't an afterthought or... I, I believe that God created you intentionally. I just feel like I need to say that again. I believe that God created you intentionally. Would you just echo that to yourself and say, God created me yes. intentionally. God had a purpose and a plan for your life. God created you intentionally. I believe that God's timing with your being here on the earth, in some degrees with regards to the beginning and the end, He threaded a needle. You're a specific stitch in time. You've got, a, you've got something to hold together. You've got a, a place to belong. You've got a, a niche to fill. You've got a, a place in the economy of God and in the plan of God. He needed someone just like you. And so he knit you together in your mother's womb, and he formed you purposely. There's quirks and strange things. I've got strange things about me. You've got strange things about you. I know you do. All of us got a little bit of uniqueness about us. We may despise some of those things. We may not understand some of those things, but there's some of those things that are intentional of God. Some of us just us. But there's some things that were just put there by God. And if we will yield ourselves to the Lord and let the Holy Spirit go to work in our lives, we'll be able to see God do awesome things. It may happen on a sales call. It may happen at a getting your hair cut. It may happen wherever your life is happening. But I'm going to tell you, God can do the miraculous. And it will blow your mind in a good kind of way. It will be greater and bigger and more amazing. And I can tell you from experience, you'll just stand back sometimes and say, oh, my goodness. And I'm sorry if I'm infectious about it. I can't help but tell when God does a good thing. And, and I may wear people out with stories. But I just get excited about God doing things. I'm, I'm, a, I'm completely of the mindset, I know it's not David List. But I get excited to see God do things. I get excited about hearing the stories. The reason why I took the time today intentionally, I don't feel it wasn't just me. I felt like God wanted us to hear. God's working through people. And it's not just those people, it's us. It's you and me. We're going to hear some awesome stories. God's going to do some amazing things. God's going to transform lives. And we're going to have to learn how to change diapers, and take care of babies. We're going to be the cotter pen, but we're going to have to learn how to nurture and put up with sometimes being up in the middle of the night taking care of somebody, but we're going to have to nurture babies because God's going to give us babies. Yes. Amen? Let's stand together. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear God. Lord, because you started this big thing a long time ago. Lord, we know from your word that, that nothing sneaks up on you or nothing surprises you, dear God. Whether we get it right or we get it wrong, you already knew what was going to happen, dear Lord, but you're committed to the process of helping us get it right. You'll keep working with us and walking with us, dear God, and lead us along that path. God, I, I, I beseech you. I call out to you, Lord. God, make us stewards of lives, I pray. God, it's not just that we have a comfortable life and that we skate through life and every need that we have is met and that we get healed when we need to be healed and that we get the answer that we need, your Lord, but God, that we would help provide the answers to people who need you. God, that we would take healing to them and that we would bring truth to them, dear God, that we would help them put the pieces of the puzzle together the way you want them to have it together. God, give us souls, dear God. Give us people that that, that can get saved and come to know you, dear God, and, and give us grace to be able to not just see them saved but nurture them to maturity. Would you, Lord, would you please use us for your glory, Lord? God, I know there's people here that have needs in their life. God, I pray that you would reach out and touch them. God, help those who may not know you to come to know you. God, those who have been knocked sideways by some kind of event in their life, dear God, I pray that you would help them get their feet back underneath them. But, God, I'm I'm praying for an awakening on the inside, your God, that that spirit man that you put inside, that that inner man would rise up and be strong. And, God, that you would be able to live out your life through us. So, Lord, be glorified in your church. Be glorified in me. Be glorified in Kellyanne and in in Trudy, your God, and in each one that's in this place, your Lord, that is called by your name. Here we are, Lord, use us. Just be still before the Lord right now. Don't get get in a hurry. Holy Spirit, would you just come and move in the hearts and lives of your people right now? Equip us, Lord, I pray. Equip us, Lord, I pray. Lord, there are families that are struggling with difficult decisions that need your guidance, your direction, and your provision, dear Lord. I pray that you would be there for them. God, there's, there, there's, there's a family in the balance right now, dear God, that needs grace and needs your direction. I pray, Lord, that you would bind them together, Lord, tie them together, dear God. Lord, I pray for those that are in a broken place in relationships right now, dear God, that you would give comfort and strength. Show yourself strong on our behalf, we pray. Be glorified, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.